Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Spa Strong Podcast. I'm Royal. I'm Melissa. And this is episode eight. And today we have a special guest, Sarah Cross. Yes, Sarah is my amazing hairstylist. She is an incredibly talented cosmetologist and makeup artist. And we really wanted to have her on the podcast because her story is so beautiful in the sense that it helps you recognize the ways that you need to grow. As you'll be able to see as you listen to Sarah's story, she recognized when she needed to move on from a place and she took the initiative to be able to grow and progress in her career. And we just feel like that's so important because oftentimes we get caught in our comfort zones and we stay stagnant. But Sarah is a wonderful example of busting out of your comfort zone, doing things that are hard and building the career of your dreams. Let's dive in. All right, let's do it. Okay, we are here with Sarah Cross. Sarah is my hairstylist. I know that she isn't an esthetician per se. I mean, I think in California that you cover like some aesthetics in your license, right, Sarah? Yes, I do. Okay, perfect. So Sarah is a hairstylist, cosmetologist, as well as a makeup artist. And I really wanted to have her on here because she has an awesome, awesome story, but it also comes to show that the things that we talk about within Spa Strong are not just for estheticians. They're really for anybody within the beauty industry and the service industry. So Sarah, thank you so much for being here thank with you so us. Much. Thank you for having me. Um, let me have you start and tell us just a little bit about you before we dive into sure. your awesomeness. <laughs> Um, so basically, I've been in the beauty industry for about nine years. It seems like a long time now looking back, but um, I've grown so much through my experience. I've worked at several salons, and within those salons, I've taken a little bit from each experience and have kind of made myself into my own stylist, into my own person, and how I want to run my business. It's just been such a ride, and it just keeps going and going, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, you said that you have worked at a lot of salons, but right now you are at your own place, right? Yes, finally at my own place. Um, it's just a small room where I can, you know, hold all my own clients and have a space where they're comfortable, where I'm comfortable, and we're open about everything that I do on them. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's a dream come true, actually. That's so great. And P.S. Her salon is super, super cute. It's I nice. Love it's super it. nice. Thanks, <laughs> guys. Oh, my yeah. flamingo is so happy always. I know. Your flamingo wallpaper is the cutest thing ever. <laughs> I think about it so much. That's <laughs> <laughs> so cute. That was definitely the intention. Good, good. It works. You'll have people thinking about your flamingos and thus their hair all the time. Yes. <laughs> it just makes you happy, you know? Yes, absolutely. So you've been in your studio for how long now? Um, just this September. So about four, four months. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So how about you just tell us a little bit about that process and about getting into your studio and everything? Yes. So I guess let's start from kind of the beginning. I started as a receptionist at a salon in San Pedro and I was um, trying to get my license at night and going to school at night so I was kind of doing both things at the same time mm -hmm. and probably after four or five months um the owner kind of saw something in me and was like okay you seem really interested in this business let me just 
make you an assistant. So she made me an assistant right away while I was still going to school at night. And it just seemed impossible. And the way they really didn't train me, I just had to learn on my own, watch them, you know, just follow them and then be my own person and just like get in it, you know? Yeah. And so I think the previous owner, Andre, it's called Andre's Hair Studio. He, um, we call him the godfather of hair. And he was just like so uh, intent in having me learn the business because I was just like hungry. I was so hungry. Mm-hmm. And so he has a school for apprenticeship. And what it does is that you can work at a salon while you earn your hours and earn money at the same time. Awesome. So it was kind of perfect, you yeah. know. Um, he gave that to me. Honestly, he didn't even charge me or anything. And I did that two-year program with the salon I was working at and got my license that way. Wow. Yeah. It was really like a gift to me. And I was like, wow, this must be really the road I need to go into because it's being given to me already. So after those two years, the lady that I was apprenticing for, um, she'd been there at Andre's for about, I don't know, 20, 25 years and decided that she wanted to open up her own salon, which is perfect. You know, like she needed to grow and build her own clientele and her own name. And so I decided to go with her. The owners of that previous salon actually gave me a choice. She's like, you could either go with her or stay here and get a raise. They kind of threatened me a little bit. Oh, so, so what made you decide to go with her, even though they offered you more money? I just thought that the way my, I guess I'd call her my boss, was doing business or just even creating her own style was so much more, um, it was a little bit par, over par of what the other people were doing. Gotcha. And I just felt like also like I would have an opportunity to have my own clientele in her salon since she's not, she doesn't have as many stylists as the other salon I was working for. Okay. So I was just thinking ahead of like what my feature was going to be. Yeah. And, and basically I was the only stylist she had, you know, it was just her and me. And so the co-owner that she had signed up the whole business with had never been in the beauty business. Um, I think she was scared to go by herself as well. And so she thought she needed somebody else to kind of like carry the load. Uh And it didn't really go well between the two of them. Um, They definitely butt heads in how the business was going to be run, how, who's going to do what, you know, who's going to do money management, who's going to hire people, all those things. They just, I don't think they ever talked about that. Mm. Um, So that didn't go well. She even got to a point where, my sister's a lawyer and we had to get my, my sister to help us. Like, how do we mitigate like the separation of both of them within this business? Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. It was a little hard. Um, and so after that, um, she had to open up another name because she was the co-owner or she was just a sole owner for that new business. Mm -hmm. And it got a little weird because the other salon we were working at, it wasn't going very well with all the stylists. And I was kind of like the middleman trying to be like, hey, why don't you just come over here? You know, like this is a whole new opportunity for you. You can kind of start over. You can do business according to how you wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the people were on, what do you call percentage? Um, oh, a commission? Commission, thank you. And so they wanted to just rent a spot and be able to take all that money within them. Yeah. But after you know, the separation with the other co-owner. I, I believe the owner was just 
afraid. She was afraid to get, you know, I don't want to say fucked over, but she didn't want to get fucked over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But um, she had definite trust issues. Mm. She micromanaged. She was just so afraid, afraid that people are going to take advantage of her money, advantage of her business. Um, But as her assistant, I wanted to make sure her business was going to be a success because that means it's going to be successful for me down down the ways. And I helped her with everything. I helped her bake her website. I helped her set up her computer system. I just felt like I needed to do all things, even though I felt like I probably couldn't get paid as much as I needed to. But I understood that it was a new business and that was okay for me. But it got to a point where I was taken advantage of and... I didn't learn as much as I could from her anymore. Like I outgrew her in a sense because I'm always the type of person that I always researching something new or I wanted to learn something and I I wanted to apply that, you know, now and then. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also she didn't know how to teach. She spoke mostly Spanish, um, but she could speak in English and converse that way. Uh But her training, she didn't know how to train people. She didn't know how to speak to me in a language where I could learn instead of just being frustrated. And she was kind of like, uh, you know, having like, let's say I saw something with her client that wasn't perfect. And I'd mentioned that to her. And she's like, okay, well, just don't say anything. You know what I mean? It was more like, oh, yeah, that's wild. You you guys, I see that everywhere. Uh, It's not an uncommon thing. Stylists would rather get people out the door with their money rather than fixing it. And that's something I've taken um, from the salons that I've gone through. And I didn't want to do that. My integrity was so much more important that I was like, I'm going to know that I messed up her hair or that she messed up her hair. And that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. So that I just took that in and I was like, okay, that was one of the reasons why I left her. And she didn't give me also a good offer with me. She wanted me to rent and I wasn't ready to rent. I had no clients. Like, Mm -hmm. I understand, like, give me a a commission. And she wouldn't budge, and she didn't want to do that. And, yeah, I just, I had to leave. I I just needed to keep going, you know. I didn't, I was forging my path, and I needed to keep going, even though it was hard. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I want to just comment on a couple of things really quick before you move on to the next phase of your, um, where you went next. I know. (laughs) So first of all, you talked about how when you were at Andre's that you were doing your, you know, you were assistant, you were doing your stuff there, but you weren't really getting trained and they kind of just threw you in and Mm -hmm. hope that you were going to figure it out. And that's something that I see so much in this industry that people are not getting trained the way that they need to get trained. And it's Mm -hmm. like, in order to get your license, you have to do, I mean, I know aesthetics here is like 600 hours. How many, um, how many hours? 1800. I want to say it's twice as much as that. And we have to learn everything. We have to learn esthetician, nails, hair. Yeah. Yeah. So if you would have to learn that many hours in order to get your license, like, doesn't that tell you the level of training that you actually need? Yeah. I mean, as an instructor or somebody who owns an apprenticeship or something, I mean, it's just crazy to me that you wouldn't take the time to really Mm -hmm. train your students or your employees. Right. The agreement was, so the lady that I, I left with to open her salon, she's responsible for me. 
solely. Like she, when we sign the apprenticeship papers, I'm the apprentice and she's the teacher. Uh-huh. But like I said, she had a language barrier and yeah. maybe it was too much for her to commit to teaching me something. And so I just, I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll just learn by watching you. Yeah. And that's basically how I did it for, I mean, I've been, I'm still doing that, but that's just how I've accepted my learning experiences. Yeah. Wow. Me and Melissa was just talking about something about 30 minutes ago. We're not going to mention the place, but they wanted <laughs> you to teach and you had no like oh, experience. Well, I, I, I was asked to teach a specific um, treatment that mm-hmm. was a laser treatment and I hadn't mm-hmm. been trained on how to do that treatment. Like right. I had been trained on that laser and I did not feel right about doing it, but they were like, they didn't care that I hadn't been trained on it. They still wanted me to teach it, mm-hmm. which was absolutely crazy. So fortunately I was able to work it out to where I got somebody else to cover that portion of the curriculum. But right. I just was like, how can you expect me to teach these girls who are spending like 15 grand to go to school here and get the best education possible And then the whole rest of their careers is going to be based on, you know, at least for this treatment, it's going to be based on this moment where you wanted me to teach them when I would have had to kind of fake it till I make it. Right. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. How many months does it take usually to get through like 1800 hours? So I had to do a two year program. So within that two years, I'm working side by side with my apprentice or my, um, my teacher mm-hmm. and within those two years I'm supposed to accumulate all those hours so actually I think it was 2400 for me because it was a two-year program yeah yeah and I think apprenticeships are usually a little more like the hours are a yeah. little bit more than if you went to like regular right. school, school yeah. or SC school yeah uh, yeah that's so that's lot. more time than it takes to be a police officer that's scary <laughs> stop really that's six months that's it Oh shit! So six month oh, hold on. Let me okay. get this one. Six month academy, and then they throw you out there to the wolves. You're on, you're on training for a, for another six months with your FTO, uh-huh. with your field training officer. But that's it. Then wow. you're on your own, running and gunning, uh-huh. figuring right. it, figuring it out on your own. And they say like to, to be a, like a prof, like pretty much to be a solid police officer, to have been in about almost every situation, to know your way around the job really well. You need about five years. Right. And so they give me training for six months mm-hmm. to carry a gun and possibly defend myself. But right. they give you guys two years. Mm-hmm. And the fact and the fact is they want you to like do something without learning. And it takes mm-hmm. and it's a two year process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like a, a sixteen hundred hours. That's ridiculous. That's I know. Crazy. I know. Actually when I was in the academy in my first use of force class, um, Sergeant Hart. Anyway, I can't remember his his name, but um, he uh, he was like, "Were any of y'all in here in the beauty industry before you became police officers?" Really? And I so I raised my hand, and he was like, "Oh, Hanson, I knew you weren't going to raise your hand." And then, and then he said, "How many?" He said, "How many hours did you have to go to school before you could become licensed in your, you know, beauty okay. industry?" Yeah. And I said, uh, "I did twelve hundred hours." He said, in the state of California, you only need 600 hours to become a police officer. LAPD does 900, but per the state, you only need 600 hours of training. 
Isn't that and so just, crazy? I got double that. You got what four times that? That's in crazy. order to <laughs> right. We're off on a tangent here, but <laughs> I know, but it's important to you know understand other people's professions and with yours and what what's the training that goes behind it. I mean, I think the only the most training anyone has ever done is like being a doctor or something, or yeah. I don't know something else, but. Yeah, I just don't understand. But also, I think within my apprenticeship program, I could have done more with it. Like, I was supposed to go to classes, like, every Monday. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel like those teachers were teaching me anything, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to do this on my own. I'll read the book. I'll just, you know, watch everybody do. Because everyone has a different style. So I just kind of picked up little things from everybody. And mm-hmm. I still do that. And and just survive, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, make it till you make it, exactly. Absolutely. Um, so another thing I wanted to mention was being careful about who you go into business with, like listening yeah. to the issues that your um, instructor, your boss started having because she went in with somebody that I'm sure she thought it was a great idea. I'm sure she thought oh, it yeah. was somebody she could rely on. And then it turned out to be a nightmare. And I had a situation where I started sharing a studio with somebody and we didn't have contracts in place. And I went into it thinking it was going to be fine. And I, I lost money. Like it ended up being kind of a nightmare. But yeah, so I wanted to comment on that. And then I love that you said that you noticed that she was she was really micromanaging, but that you recognized that it stemmed from a place of fear. Yes. She was scared of making mistakes. She was scared of doing something wrong. And I think that that takes a lot of maturity to be able to recognize where micromanaging comes from because so many people, they're like, oh, I'm getting micromanaged. I'm taking it personally. I don't like it. I'm going to quit, you know, which sometimes you do need to quit even if it has nothing to do with you. But I just, I think that that says a lot about you that you were able to separate yourself and recognize she's not micromanaging me because of me, it's because she's in a place where she's not comfortable and confident in herself. Exactly. Yeah. And then of course, I love your integrity that you, you know that you can't live with yourself if you aren't doing the 100% best you can Mm -hmm. by your clients. Right. And so I just, and I think that's part of how I was brought up and we've talked about this, you and me. And so it's like, I don't want to live with guilt, you know, mm-hmm. knowing that I could have done something and yeah. I didn't do it. Yeah. So. Well, and it's something that your clients see and they recognize. Like mm-hmm. if you stop and you're like, hey, you know what? I know that I said this was gonna only going to take an hour, but it's not turning out quite the way that I was expecting. So is it okay mm-hmm. if I take another 30 minutes and tone it one more time, you know, or whatever right. it is. Like your clients respect that more. Oh yeah, totally. Honesty has just been my policy and how dealing with business. And I think it's just really paved my way even better, you know, like grabbing all my clientele and attaining them. And it's, I don't know, it just works better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So continue with what happened next. (laughs) Okay. So after I've recognized how she was, you know, managing her business and I forgot to tell you guys, I actually kind of led her to take two clients, uh, two stylists from the previous salon that I, we were at. Okay. And they moved into her salon and was paying rent and all that stuff. Okay. So I kind of felt some guilt leaving all of that because mm-hmm. I 
you know what I mean? I come like, okay, come over here. Let's do this. And I was leaving. Yeah. But I had to do it. Um, Otherwise, it would have just been chaotic for everybody. Mm Because I was just seeing something and I couldn't shut up. You know? I needed it to be addressed. Yeah. And and just after, it was like three years, two years of being in an apprenticeship, and then a year of being an assistant, I wanted to go off on my own. And honestly, you guys, I didn't have the tools to really go on my own yet. So, but I did. So I had rented this space um, up in PV and it was a beautiful neighborhood. You know, it's like the best, but it didn't have quality clientele, I guess you could say. It was just, um, and I didn't have any, I probably had only like, I don't know, 30, maybe even less than that. And they weren't regular clients yet. Okay. So maybe I only had 20 regular clients and I had to, you know, gain more within that space and I was paying a thousand dollars a month that was huge for me yeah I was how am I gonna make this (laughs) it was ridiculous so um I started assisting for the owner as well and um another stylist I was working there part-time and I said nope I, I still can't afford this rent so I started applying everywhere and dry bars were starting to get popular uh-huh. so I worked at a dry bar and I also worked for another stylist that was all the way up north in Studio City just to learn just to learn from her I was probably getting paid only like $50 um, and then having to commute all the way over there so probably left with $30 but I was just mm-hmm. so willing to learn everything. She was a, a, a stylist and a makeup artist for mostly weddings, um, events, that sort of thing. And I wanted to learn that. And I was struggling. I was basically working three jobs while paying $1,000 a month for rent. And I was like, what am I doing? Oh, my gosh. But I had to do it. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't have the space that I had, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, okay, this is a lot. I'm, I'm commuting to Marina Del Rey to work at Dry Bar. Then I'm commuting all the way to Studio City to help this stylist and be her assistant and learn from her. And I did. I learned a lot from both of them. Um, I learned to really style properly. Mm-hmm. And within that, I started gaining clients um, little by little. And yeah. I had seen a, an ad at Craigslist for – um, looking for stylists. I actually did a bunch of interviews, but I ended up with something here in Torrance and it was perfect. It seemed like, okay, this is going to be good. Like I can't, they have a lot of clientele. Their Yelp reviews are really good. And I seem like I could be a good fit. Mm-hmm. And even within the interview, I was like, look, I probably don't have everything that I need to know right now, but I guarantee you I'm going to learn whatever it is you need me to do. I'll, I'll freaking do it. And I had to do like a, another interview where they see what I'm capable of. And within that, she hired me. And so I was there for about three years and I gained clientele. I just learned, I soaked up everything I could soak up from them Mm -hmm. to a point where, you know, now that I'm here, that that was a few months ago, I just kind of outgrew them again. You know, I start, I start outgrowing people and seeing little things of how they run their business. And I try to take what was good and, you know, dispose what was not good. Right. Yeah. And that's where I met you at that other salon. Yes. Yeah. I, I called because I'd had a bad color job and the (laughs) girl who answered was like, Oh, color. 
let me send you to Sarah. She does my hair. She's the best. And she was right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So real quick, uh, you mentioned that there wasn't quality clientele at Mm -hmm. your place in PV. Um, Can you expound on what you mean by quality? Do you, did you just mean they weren't consistent or? Um, Yes, definitely not consistent and maybe not gelling with how I did hair. Okay. You know, we weren't seeing quite, and, and granted, Melissa, I was just learning. I was just learning everything. I was faking it till I made it, you know? Yeah. So the ones that I probably did well in, they grabbed a hold of me. But the ones that I probably didn't do well in, they're like, oh, yeah, she doesn't have the experience yet. Like, yeah. she needs a little time to, you know, get her experience. So the last salon that I worked with, I really, really, really kind of was able to have a lot of clientele back to back. It was quantity of clientele. So I was able to practice everything that I've learned onto these clients and made my skills better throughout that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that one thing that we struggle with in this industry is we want to get as many clients as possible. And so when a client isn't the best fit or we're not the best fit for that client, then mm-hmm. it can kind of be the end of the world. Like we can beat ourselves up about it. But the fact of the matter is that that's okay. Let them go. And it frees up time for you to find the clients who are crazy about you, who are wanting exactly your style or the way that you run your business or the way that you do their hair or their skin or whatever it is. Um, so just being willing to accept like, okay, these weren't the people for me, but I'm going to find the people who are for me. And also accepting that you can't do what they want you to do. And I've learned that throughout the time I've done hair is just like, Hey, I, we don't gel well right now. So I think I, I can um, refer you to somebody else that can see eye to eye with what you want. Exactly. And that. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's something that I talk about in our book, the boundaries and aesthetics book. There's a whole section in the chapter, the chapter that's about quality over quantity Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole section about ending client relationships and knowing yes. when you need to refer somebody to somebody else and knowing when, yes. you know, there's a better option for both of y'all. So yes. yeah, I love that. That's something that you already have done that you recognize you mm-hmm. need to do. But granted in the beginning from the last salon, I just took in all of the clients. Yeah. I, I didn't recognize that yet. And I felt like I was stagnant. Um, within the year I was there, I was like, what's, what, what am I not doing right? There's something that I'm not doing right that these clients are not coming back to me consistently. So I had to just go through everything that I do. And I felt like I wasn't giving them, like you said, the quality time. I'm not asking them, what is your everyday regimen? What is, what do you put on your hair? Like, what is it that you're looking for? Is the the look you're looking for really something you want? And are you able to manage it? Or is it something that you can't manage? So let's backtrack a little bit and give you something that you could, you know, deal with. Yes. I love that so much. We actually just finished writing a course about consultations mm-hmm. and you mentioned so many of the things that we talk about in the course right. that you want to figure out what is missing from their routine that's keeping them from their goals or if they have the time to be able to maintain what it is that they're asking for. But asking all of the these leading questions so that you can really understand not only their goals, but also whether or not their goals are really right for them 
so that right. you can, together with the client, come up with the best course of action for them. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Just covering my ass, basically. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and that's what it is. And so it surprises me so much when people in our industry don't take those steps and don't ask those questions and don't cover their ass like that. Yeah. Because you need it. That's what gets people back is when you show them that you really care and you really want to get things right. So you exactly. ask all the right questions. Okay, so I would love for you to tell us a little bit about um, your strong boundaries and what got you into your salon that you're in now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, I guess I could just say, like, I got complacent at that last place mm-hmm. because um, even though their expectations were high, I was able to meet them, you know, like once I figured out the consultation was a big part of it, I was doing so well the last two years. And although that, you know, their whole thing was like, you got to make a certain amount of money to get a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. And that was hard. That was really hard. It was just like, I don't know. It was the pressure was on and that led to more quantity than quality clients because I needed to make a certain percentage of money because if I didn't make that percentage of money, I would have so much less and so much work has been put on it. It's like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Yeah. And the thing is, it was my fault. I agreed to, to that, to those terms. You know what I mean? I just figured, let me just get as much experience as I can in this salon and figure it out later on. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I got super complacent. The money was good and I just didn't feel like I needed to, you know, I wasn't growing anymore. I was just like, okay, whatever. I come to work and I make my money. That's it. Yeah. And so I kind of woke up from that and, and, and was like, Hey, what, what are you doing? You know, like, and also, I also noticed this, the assistants that were closely working with us the whole entire time, I just feel like they weren't growing either. So I felt responsible for them, like, okay, let me let me teach you guys. Because in the beginning, the owner was so eager to teach everybody something new. Mm-hmm. But then later on, I, I kind of started recognizing like, she stopped doing that. And why did she stop doing that? And I think the reason was she was making so much money with the assistance that she didn't need to, like, why, why would she, you know, get less money if they became stylists they were mm. making her so much money as assistants and they didn't need to learn much more than that gotcha so she wanted to so, hold them back in order exactly. to keep putting money in her pocket okay exactly and so that started becoming one of my boundaries I was like nope this is not fair and they need to be you know but also that was their fault as well as assistants they didn't want to learn I felt like I was frustrated because I was so different that I was like, I don't care. I'll learn whatever it is. But for them, they became complacent too. And was just like, okay, we come to work, we do this. And they didn't want to learn more than, more than they should have. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause if you're in a position where, I mean, you have a steady job, you're making as much money as you need to survive. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be easy to slip into that space of complacency and like why rock the boat? But mm-hmm. there's so much more out there. I got a quick question. Um, yes. It's just, it's a little, well, it's still on topic, but um, how are your hands? Oh, like, my God. My hands? Yeah. Royal, that is a great question. Um, my hands are not doing so well. Like, I have pain right now. Um, it's usually between my, my thumb and my point pointy fingers. Okay. 
Uh-huh. And there's always pressure on both hands that just hurt so, so much. I think it hurt a lot more when I was working at the dry bar and I was still early on as a stylist because I put too much pressure in what I was doing. I was whole, like, my knuckle, my, I was like becoming white knuckles, you know? Yeah. I'm just blow drying and blow drying and blow drying. And I've, then afterwards I've learned not to like hold it so tight, just like, do less for what you're doing but still doing it great you know what I mean like work smart is what I'm trying to say because the dry bar I was working like six eight hours non-stop mm-hmm. and just blow drying blow drying washing and so yeah it's definitely affected my body um my arms on my left all the way to my shoulders they're definitely in pain mm-hmm. and my um the back like lower back pain was like intense mm-hmm. I started picking up Pilates like two years ago oh and so that has really helped me stand properly, you know, hold my hands properly, but it hasn't taken the pain completely. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about that. Like, I, like, I love your story. That's why I'm not really saying nothing. I'm just listening and soaking it all in. But I was thinking, I was like, you know what? It seems like people don't really talk about, like, I'm listening and all the stuff you're doing. I'm thinking like, how's her body holding up? Like her hands, right. your hands are your money makers. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, I was really curious. Yeah. I'm actually thankfully for this last salon, there were so many assistants that they were able to help me a lot. Um, but then again, I was just like, I need to teach even them how to, you know, work less but work smart. Like mm-hmm. drying the hair almost like completely dry before you get in there with a with a round brush. Because if it's wet, you're putting more pressure into your body trying to dry that hair. Yeah. Um but a lot of the times, a stylist would be like, yeah, take your time because I'm, you know, behind with another another client. And so that kind of, it was, it was, yeah, it was chaotic. I mean, you've been there and you've seen how many people are in that salon. Mm-hmm. And I'm be working with two or three clients at the same time. Yeah. So it was a lot. Wait, wait, one, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, one, wait, okay. one hairstylist will work with yeah. three, like, clients at the same time? Yes. Yes, and that's why the assistants were so important to us. They yeah. they lightened up our load. So, like, the way that it'll work is the first client will come in and she'll have the assistant go shampoo them. They'll do the consult and she'll have the assistant go shampoo them while she's shampooing Then She's doing a consult with the next client and then they'll go and get shampooed and then put color on the first client and then while that first color is processing, then she'll, you know, work do somebody else's. So it's like a little oil machine. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely a machine. It was just like, that's why I said, you know, quantity. That's all they cared about was quantity. And then when it comes to quality control, let's say a client would, you know, put on a Yelp review that wasn't kind. Um, and I'm saying that nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't know how to deal with it. They were more interested in having a perfect Yelp reviews throughout their um, Yelp postings. And they would rather them remove a unfavorable posts than taking care of what the client actually needed. And we would never know if this client is lying or not. So me as a stylist working on that client, let's say she wrote a a Yelp review. I just wanted to know, okay, let's fix this. Come on in. Let's see what we can do before we like give you all your money back. You know what I mean? So they were just interested. And I was like, okay, remove your post and I'll give you your money back. And then I'm left with nothing. Yeah, you aren't any better. You haven't learned anything from mm-hmm. that experience. Yeah, that's not that's not fair as management. I mean, it, 
it's one thing if you want to do that with your own clients, but with your employees' clients, y'all should have the right to be able to handle it or resolve it the way that you see fit. Yeah. Hmm, That's really frustrating. It was very frustrating. And I think as the years went by, I was like, okay, how much longer am I supposed to deal with this? And we would always butt heads because I was very strong-minded in, like, approaching that to them. Mm-hmm. Like, she would be like, hey, Sarah, could, do you mind talking to your client about what had happened? And I would. And then then she, when she wasn't satisfied with that, then she'd have other people take care of it. So there's, like, three people taking care of the situation, and the client's confused. Like, what do you want from me? Yeah. So, yeah, um, and when I approached that with the owner, she didn't like what I had to say. That's too bad. I I think that there is a um, trend with people in the beauty industry not wanting to handle conflict or, mm-hmm. like, have crucial conversations. And so kind of trying to avoid that or a deal, deal with it in a passive-aggressive kind of way where you're right. not being completely forthcoming or you're not giving the client the opportunity to be completely forthcoming because you – are scared about what the answer is going to be or what the response is going to be. And that's, that's got to stop. I mean, you've got to be able to handle whatever it is that happens. People, some people are going to like your stuff. Some people aren't. Sometimes there's going to be reactions. There's going to be problems and you've got to be able to deal with it. It just comes with the territory. Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. How long did you think about going to get your own place before you actually went and did it? Okay, so I, I probably waited two years until I was ready. Um, and still, when even when I left, I was like, oh, my God, am I making a mistake? You know, you just have the, the fear of messing up because it's your own name now. It's going to be my – everything's going to be mine. Yeah. So I think I was scared of that. I was – I mean, who isn't, right? Right. Everything's going to be on you, and if you mess up, it's on you. There's nobody else to, you know, fall back on. Yeah. And yeah, it took me a while to f- figure it out. But I think I was pushed out of the old place and that gave me a little bit more of a of the courage to just okay, let's do this. You got no other choice here, Sarah, so you got to do it on your own. Yeah. Um do you want to expound on pushed out? Okay. Okay, so let me just dial back on how the salon was even managed to begin with. It was a husband and wife that was running the salon, right? Mm -hmm. And when I was hired, there were there was another stylist that was hired at the same time. So there was four main stylists that was doing all the clients. Mm -hmm. And then this is also why we were doing two or three clients at the same time. And there were three assistants. So as I started, I think the salon wasn't doing as well. But when we had come in, me and the other stylist, it started doing better. We were able to take in all these clients, do a good job, and make money. Mm-hmm. And so I think after a year, the husband decided, well, you guys are running everything well. They had hired a, they hired two receptionists that so they can take control of the books, the phone calls, and all that stuff. And so he decided to go and figure out his other career, like doing something else. Okay. And the wife is not the best at managing. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like, I'd rather be a stylist and everything else goes well. And he, the mm-hmm. husband was taking care of that, but I don't think they agreed on um, how management should be when he left. Gotcha. And so, but we were doing, we were doing very well still, granted, like we were making a lot of money. We were doing what we needed to do. But the little 
ins and outs of like, oh, how, how much should that person be working? How much, uh, you know, like all those little things that needed to be taken care of, she didn't know how to take care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't know how to do money. She didn't know. We were using so many products and we had no idea how much those things are needed to be paid. There was no rules about like, okay, this is how much you need to use per client and be aware gotcha. of it. You know, don't just use so much and waste so much. We yeah. wasted so much products and it didn't seem to bother her at the time. So I was like, well, if it's not bothering her, then why should we kind of care about it? Like, I think we're good. But at the end of it, it did. It, it affected everything. And that's when the micromanaging started to come back in. Um, the husband came back and was like, okay, I got to take care of it, of everything. Mm-hmm. But he didn't know what was happening. He didn't know how we were running things already. He didn't know um, how we dealt with clients. He didn't know how much product was being used. So it was kind of like a mess. He, he approached it back in and was like, what's happening? So he started micromanaging. Like, are these clients actually yours? Or are they not yours? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it got really messy. And I started to be like, whoa, what's happening? Like, uh, now you're back? Like, what, who are we supposed to address our issues to? And so she, the wife just kind of cleaned her hands off of everything that happened the past year and was like, okay, you deal with it. Yeah. And they also had to fire two assistants because they couldn't afford the assistant. All of a sudden, they started having money problems. And we had no idea of everything because mm-hmm. they started – as the, as he was micromanaging, we were like, wait, why? Why are you back here? Why are you implementing all these new rules? Why did you fire two assistants? Yeah, it was just like all of a sudden it was like we, we got into an accident and we're like, what? And we woke up and was like, what is happening? Why are you here? Like it was such confusion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it didn't sit well with me. I just I just couldn't be in that environment. It was very suffocating. There's so much drama. And I didn't agree on how they were running things. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I was pushed out in, in a way where he kind of dealt with me in a way that he shouldn't have. He was um, yelling and he was just very confronting. And I, at that time, was just like, I'm not going to deal with this. Yeah. And I kind of told him, you know, I think you need me more than I need you. So I just need a – I did a walkout. I just kind of walked out of there. I was like, bye. Okay. First of all <laughs> – First of all, you totally breezed over. You're like, yeah, so he yelled at me and I basically wasn't going to stand for that. And so I walked out. Um, Hello, that's huge. I know. Like, it was that's, huge. That's so huge. And I know that maybe you're, you're like, well, I don't want to say, you know, oh, I walked out because that's – maybe somebody will think, like, that's not professional or whatever. But the situation is such that – a manager like yelled at you in front of other people, if I recall correctly, and yes. you stood up for yourself. And yeah, maybe that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like there were a lot of things that were going on that caused you to want to leave anyway. But mm-hmm. I think there are so many people, like women in particular, who would have just taken that and not known that they were allowed to stand up for themselves or set a boundary with an employer and say, hey, you may be upset, but you don't have, but that doesn't make it okay for you to yell at me. Like, that's not okay for you to talk to me like that. Yeah. So I think you're awesome, personally. Thank you. Um, so I, I want to go back and talk about a couple of things. You know, you talked about when Royal was asking about if your hands hurt and stuff, you yeah. said that 
you work on not only with yourself, but also in teaching the assistants to work smarter, not harder, Mm -hmm. and to think about how you can do things efficiently so that you're not putting more wear on terror on yourself than you need to. Because I mean, whether you're a hairstylist, an esthetician, a nail tech, a physical therapist, like it doesn't matter, whatever it is, if you're working in a service industry, it's so hard on you physically. Yes, definitely. Oh my gosh. And even like as, as we're talking about health, at the end of that whole stitch with the last salon, I, you know, like I told you, I had two seizures and I have a seizure disorder, but if it's um, burnt out, like my, 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 my body's burnt out, my mind is burnt out, it creates so much stress in my brain that it, right after I left, actually, no, well, right before I left, I had a seizure. And I had to go in an ambulance and go to emergency. Okay, first of all, you did not tell me this. I didn't tell you this? No. I I yeah. And, oh, my uh, gosh. Okay, continue. So I've had a seizure disorder to, since my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And medication was controlling that. And I barely had any um, episodes. But I believe that at the end of where I was at that salon, it, it really – I just – I just take, I'm kind of like an empath. I take everything too much sometimes and I need to learn to just kind of like let some stuff go. Yeah. Right. I was feeling the assistant stress. I was feeling my owner's stress. I was just feeling everybody's stress that it, it impacted my body so much that, yeah, it, I, I got into a seizure and I had to go into my neurologist like, what's happening? Is this because of stress? Is it because of my medication? And we also figured out my medic, my old medication was causing so much depression. Just a lot. I, I take in too much. So that was part of like all the effects that it was bringing on to me. So we decided to put me onto a new medication. Okay. And so right after I had left the salon, I had another episode because my body was trying to um absorb the new one and and let the old one out and so I had another episode as well and that was when I was moving into this new salon but was not quite ready yet oh my god and yeah and so my doctor finally put me on a new medication and it's doing really well like um, I've I'm not as depressed as I was with the old one but I'm more positive my mood is more positive um, I think it's everything. The environment I was in over there, and it's just like my new environment here is just so nice and quiet and yeah, stress free. Stress free. Um, I mean, there's still a little stress, right? You know, right, but. for sure. But it's it's your stress. It's not stress that anybody else is putting on you. Exactly. Yes, actually, that's a really good way of put, putting it. It's like I would, This is just mine. I don't have to carry anybody's load anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Like we talk so much about how you have to have balance. You have to put your health first Mm -hmm. and stress has so many effects on us that, I mean, and I know that, I mean, your situation isn't like, oh, you had a seizure that was based solely on stress, but Mm -hmm. it's something that definitely could have exacerbated that. Yes, definitely. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm so glad you're okay. My relationships too. If we're talking balance, like you know, I, my family and especially my boyfriend that I've, I've been with for eight years, like at the end of everything that was happening, it was causing so much stress between me and him that I couldn't stand it anymore. I had to like, we were living together and I had to leave because he didn't understand it because I wasn't letting him know what was really happening. I was mm-hmm. just like, 
don't talk to me. I'm just stressed out right now. And it, it affected our relationship so much at the end that it, we needed to be apart because I was not making happy and I was surely not making myself happy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's just amazing how everything compounds on top of each other. Mm-hmm. That when you are overwhelmed or burnt out at work or not in a place where you're growing and progressing, that it really does leak over into every other aspect of your life. Definitely. Definitely. Wow. Especially when you put your work so important. It, does, it doesn't feel like a job for me. It's my passion. Like, I yeah. love what I do. Yeah. So I think when you love what you do, you let every little thing affect you. Mm-hmm. And so learning to balance everything, everything that I love, needs to be, you know, important. And it needs to be a priority. And Absolutely. I'm still learning that. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that it definitely takes time because mm-hmm. we also, you know, change and grow and situations change. And so we may find ourselves, we're like, okay, things feel really balanced. And then an outside situation can cause us to go off balance again. And then we're right back trying to relearn. But that's part of what makes life beautiful and showing ourselves that we care about ourselves, we value ourselves, that we're willing to like take the initiative to figure out what we need. Like that's something that I find so impressed with your story or that I'm so impressed by with your story is that you looked at your situation, you looked at work, you looked at health, you looked at your relationships, you recognized what you needed for you. And you took that leap of faith. Like you took the initiative to make the changes that you believed would bring you greater joy and bring you greater progress. And that's not something that a lot of people have the courage to do. Because it's hard, you know, it's hard. It's not like a a nice paved road. It's, it's got bumps. It's got everything that, you know, you have to go through. You have to go through this hard, hard road to get through a clear path. Yeah. And that's what I had to go through. It was very difficult. I'm not, you know, saying that this is easy. It's very difficult for you to achieve the success you need. You have to go through hard paths. It's just the way it needs to be. I don't know why. It's just that's how it works. Absolutely. But I think that going through the hard path is what makes the success worth it. Yeah. And it made me stronger. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I love it. Okay. First of all, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I, yes, thank, thank you, you so for much. having me. Of course. Letting speak my story. I mean, I've always wanted to do it, but never had the real courage to do it, you know? You did amazing. Yeah, and your story is so great, and there's so much to learn. I think that people who are already in the industry have things to learn from you. I think people going into the industry have things to learn from you. I mean, I think you're a rock star personally. and I do too. And my hair and is literally people perfect. People speak so. about this, right? People don't really talk about their journey. And, right. and maybe they don't talk about everything in their journey. They talk about the good stuff and, like, kind of, like you said, run through, run over the little, the hard stuff and don't really speak about it because it's, like, I don't know. It's not the thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it takes courage because, you know, I think, oh, you want to share your story because maybe there's somebody you can impact. But I think it also impacts yourself to – go over it again and remind yourself of the things that you've learned and how far you've come. Definitely. Awesome. Okay. So Spa Strong is all about empowering estheticians or beauty professionals or whoever through 
boundaries, balance, health, and safety. And I know that we've kind of touched on these things, but could you just tell us what each of those means to you? What boundaries means to you, balance, health, and safety? Yes, definitely. Um, I guess with boundaries is learning from your experiences. Take what you need to take, take, drop what you don't need to take, and creating a boundary for yourself. Like, what am I willing to do? How far am I willing to do it? Um, Is it worth it? Um, all these things I've kind of just learned to just create a boundary for, because sometimes, like I said, I was an em- I'm more of an empath and I take too much of everything. And there's where balance um, comes in. It's like learning how much to carry and balancing that with your relationships, your, um, your life, your whole entire life. Um, and I guess with health, since, you know, I take in so much, I get so stressed out easily. I get anxiety and it's important to not take everybody's loads on you. And even with clients that come in, you know, they'll tell you your story. They'll tell you, um, what they're going through. I feel like a therapist most of the time because we just, we connect in those things, you know what I mean? And so you just learned I have learned to just okay I, I we're having that conversation but I don't need to take it with me home mm-hmm. you know those those kind of things Absolutely. and as far as safety creating a safety a safe environment for myself like you know all those places that I used to work at I just wanted everything I needed to learn everything so I wasn't taking care of myself I wasn't creating like a safe zone for myself I was just like here, here I am. Um, I'm here to do anything you want me to do. Mm-hmm. So I didn't create that boundary as well of like, okay, this is where I need to stop. This is where it's too much for me. It's like, I'm not getting paid for this. Yeah. So I need to let, let that go as well. And balance, just um, learning what I'm capable of and taking that and then balancing um, your other relationships with other people. And I guess also like I, I need to still learn my money management. That's like the hardest thing as a new business owner right now. So I need those things um, balanced as well. Like how having to do my day-to-day tasks and that way my, my load is lighter at the end of the month. Awesome. Awesome. I'm in awe of your story. Like I don't get to talk to you like that or see you like Melissa does. I just, she just comes back and tells me, you know, how her time was with you. But, oh, man, I loved it. I love your story. You're amazing. I think what you guys amazing. are doing is awesome as well. Like, you guys working together as husband and wife, like, having this platform to speak, you know, I think that's it's crazy. I think it's awesome. I actually kind of wanted to do something like this, and I had a dream that I woke up from, and it said, one chair at a time. Mm-hmm. And... And this is kind of like what this is, what, what you guys are providing is having people speak about their story and their journey and what other people can take from that and what they can do about what their situation is. I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah that's definitely what we're trying to do is help people. And I mean, like I was telling you, you know, we've decided to go away from YouTube and focus on podcasts because it's a place where we can bring people on and hear their stories and let yeah. our audience hear that maybe they're not alone or hear that somebody figured out how to handle a tough situation that's similar to what they're in. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's, that's what we want for sure. I know yeah. that you want awesome. those same kind of things also. So yeah. thank you so much, Sarah. You are the absolute best. Um, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram where everybody is all the time. Yeah. Uh, at Sarah. 
Cross Hair and Makeup. And of course, my website is sarahcrosshairandmakeup.com. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so, Thank you so much, Sarah. Sarah. You're the best. Bye.